2024 is the year of podcasts, and we want to let you know about a brand new show that is live right now. Join with me to share the good news about the Worthy of Everything podcast. It's just one of the two hosts, Jaja Lasso. Jaja, you've been working on this podcast in the background. Our team has been very excited as we've been preparing for its launch. How does it feel to know that the episodes finally are out there and we're moving forward every single week? It is so exciting and I am just excited to see where God takes it and I have so much hope that it is going to be an incredible blessing to the listeners. Amen, amen. But as I understand it, this is a show tackling the issues of mental health through the lens of the gospel. Can you share just a little bit more about the heart and the intent and who you're really trying to serve through the Worthy of Everything podcast? So I personally was freed from depression and as I've come to understand my freedom from sin and identity in Christ, I start to recognize all these amazing gifts that God has given us. So yeah, just exploring and hearing awesome testimonies about how to walk out true intimacy with a loving father who pursues his kids. Oh man, sounds like a good time. If you want to check out the show, lovereality.org slash podcasts and look for the Worthy of Everything show. Are we starting the podcast now? Or? Oh, we've been on the podcast, my brother. <laughs> Yo, welcome to the Death Alive podcast. My name is Richard Young, and today's episode is with my boy, uh, Mikey Archibuck, Archibuckets. And uh, yeah, podcast probably not for young ears. I'll get that out of the way. I'm trying to think of announcements. Oh, man. I mean, we just got a lot of stuff going on. Lovereality.org. Youarefreefromsin.com. Lovereality on Instagram. We might be starting a TikTok page. Who's to say, really? Uh, There's so much stuff going on, but what it really is, is just gospel. Uh, Here in the future, we're going to be able to give you... (laughs) I'm laughing because it's like when people are like, we're going to give you an opportunity to help us out. Um, And I'm laughing, but it's true. Like, I'll I'll, I'll talk about that in the future. Um, But yeah, all this stuff is going on and lives are being changed. Like I am being dead serious we are getting people seeing who they really are in Christ and walking in that thing and it is amazing Uh, just to see people's lives turn around and there's almost it's almost nothing there's nothing better there's a reason why heaven's just like yeah when somebody receives this thing. And that is what is going on. That's my announcement. Like, my announcement is it's going down. It's going down every single day. And I'm just so blessed to be a part of it. I'm so blessed to be able to do this podcast and hear these stories. And this story that we have today is not different um, than any other story. And it is different. And it's all the same. And it's awesome. And it's Mikey my man that I've known for a long time. And I get to hear some stuff in this podcast that I didn't know before. And if you know Mikey, you probably didn't know it either because of the way he's operated. 
But um, yeah, let's listen and pay attention and hear this mug. So um, with that being said, let's let's buckle up, strap in. I love y'all, and I also appreciate y'all. Yo, Richard, are you about to do the podcast? Mikey, man, where do we start with this thing with you? Where This is the Death to Life podcast. And before hearing yeah. about life, we enjoy, and when I say enjoy, uh, we like to hear about the death because we need to set For up sure. the life. It can't just be just like, yeah, man, Jesus loves me. And we're just like, yeah, man, he loves me too. It's really cool. But I want to know your story. <laughs> So where does sure. where does we could start with a, a little just little subtext or a little context to who Mikey mm-hmm. is, and then we can jump into the death. Uh, For sure. So like, who who when Mikey Archibald came along in 1993? When 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 were you born, dude? 1990. My bad. 1990. 1990. Yeah. In the beautiful state of yeah, yeah. Kansas. In the beautiful state where the plains and the hills and the antelope graze, where seldom is heard a discouraging word. This so, is a song. Oh, I know this song. So yeah, man, tell me about you, uh, your your context, and then let's talk about the death, bro. Yeah, yeah. So I uh, was born, raised in Kansas, lived in Wichita most of my life. Uh, three siblings, uh, two parents. That's how it goes for us. Anyway, moved to Kansas. Oh, yeah. So I grew up in Wichita for like 16 years. Finished out high school in Kansas City. Went to Lincoln, Nebraska. Wait, hold on. Before were, before you, we get to oh, Lincoln, yeah. Nebraska, and uh, I would I would be doing a disservice to this podcast and the gospel altogether if we didn't talk uh, about okay. your style in high school and like what were you, what were you about, bro? <laughs> because I remember meeting this dude with long hair and Steve Harvey right. suits. And they're like, oh, this guy's name is Mikey. And he, you always had a huge smile on your face. But I was like low-key nervous over of, of who you were because of your style, man. Your style was just like impetuous, as yeah, Mike Tyson he, would say. Tell me about this but, and who you were growing up and like, <laughs> like what, 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 gave you energy and what moved you to be like this smiley just wonderful person that we all knew growing up yeah i uh i like to dress nice and do funny things with my hair and my suits uh so like in eighth grade i remember seventh grade the thing that i wanted to do was like be bald so i was bald eighth grade i had a mohawk the whole year uh and anyway, and then uh, when I eventually when I got to high school, like the thing that I really wanted was I wanted a white pinstripe suit. Is that what you? Is that the one you remember? Yeah. So do you remember this? this? What year was this when you got to high school? 
Uh, I graduated in t- high school in 2009, so it'd have been like 2007, something like that. Six. Were you? Were you? Okay, so LeBron James on his draft night, I think it's in 2003. Uh-huh. He wore this all white. It's a terrible suit. Like, look it up on Google. <laughs> it, it is not aged well, and it's long, yeah. and there's like 19 buttons on it. Uh, mm-hmm. Did you see that? And that was like. I got to be like King James and get the white suit. (laughs) I was never into basketball. I just always thought, so for me, like my dad has this huge picture on his, I think it's when he graduated high school or something, this picture where he's next to this beautiful car and he has this white suit on. And so it's a whole thing. Like even my, one of my uncles, he got married in a white suit, which I think is in bad taste for like (laughs) wedding stuff (laughs) overall. Yeah, but yeah. I thought, like, looking back, I, thought, I remember liking that kind of thing. This thing. So I got, yeah, my mom took me to this shop. is like, downtown in Wichita. And so it was, like, this white pinstripe suit. There was, like, ten buttons on it, for sure. <laughs> Alligator shoes. The whole thing. What did your great. mom say about this stuff? Was she just, you're like, Ma, I'm going to do a mohawk <laughs> this whole year. And then I'm going to go into the shiny ten-button suit phase of my life. Was she like, I, That's right. I dig it, son. Yeah, well, so my mom, I remember, uh, she told me about a conversation. Someone came up to her in church, actually, and was like, are you going to let your son go around with a mohawk this whole time? And she turned, and I remember, and I think this is a cool thing to say. She's like, if the worst thing my son does is cut his hair funny, like, that's pretty good with me. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, it was a trade-off, I think. So for sure. I was a decent kid, I guess. But But, uh, yeah. She, I just wanted to be funny and look funny. So did you think, and I know we, we for people listening who don't know you, they're like, why is Richard staying on the white suit thing? Did you really, you really love the way it looked because of your dad, but you also thought it was kind of funny? I thought it was so cool. Like, I thought I looked really good and I liked, yeah, kind of jumping into a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I liked when people like looked at me and thought, man. That dude is good. That dude is someone I want to be like. That dude is awesome. And so definitely I did these things to look cool. Because like I remember my dad one time before I decided to cut my hair funny. Like I remember my dad cut my hair because, you know, that's what we did at my house. Mm-hmm. And uh, he cut it and he like messed up. And I we were at Broken Arrow Ranch uh, for like family camp or something. I messed up and I would not leave the cabin because I thought I looked terrible. <laughs> And so, yeah, for sure, like me trying to look good was definitely uh, what I was trying to do. Like get get that affirmation from other people. Well, I mean, that's my whole thing. I think that everybody, I think everybody loved you, man. I think everybody, I don't know anybody who doesn't love you that knows you. And like I said, there's just this Mikey guy and he's his own person. He's doing his own thing. And, And what you're telling me that, most of that was just a legit kid wanting to 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 love people, wanting to be loved by people, and you've always had this love for people. Is this this is like your sincere heart then? I yeah, man, I do love people a lot, for sure. Um, but I also love being loved by people. And that is uh yeah, that's kind of where it kind of got a little bit corrupted, I think. But uh for sure. Yeah, people have always been kind of my thing. When did you start seeing that corruption? When did you start saying like, "Man, I, I, I might." You probably didn't know you loved it too much. What? What? How did I? Yeah, I think it was. 
I think, I mean, when I, I think when you start dating people is kind of where it happens, uh, where you kind of start needing that, needing the thing. So I remember I was dating a girl, you, you know, that girl, um, that I was dating in college a little bit anyway. Uh, like, and then when we broke things off, like, then I thought, oh, my whole identity is in finding the approval of other people and needing to be loved by other people. Um, so it kind of hit late because I remember, and yeah, and even after college, like, I remember there was a point where I like got let go from a job and all these things kind of hit at once. And I wasn't the person that I kind of thought I was. Who and, who were you? Or I, I was whoever anyone wanted me to be. <laughs> I remember there was this time in college, uh, one of my professors, uh, she told me that, uh, I don't know, we took some test, like a personality test. <laughs> and she said, my personality is more like a chameleon where I turn into whoever I need to turn into. And I thought, that seems bad. <laughs> That's what the professor said? And yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think she was meaning it like in a positive way, like saying like, you know, adaptability and stuff like that. But I thought, man, I don't know that I like that. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, I was Buffy. Do you remember her? Buffy the Vampire Buffy Slayer? Anderson. That's right. Yeah, yeah. That's who you were? That's who I was. I was whoever I needed to be. And so I just like to make people happy. I'd like to do things that were nice. I'd like to do things that people thought were nice. And, uh, yeah. And so I think, oh yeah. I was just going to say this heartbreak in college. I remember that you mm -hmm. brought it up. Um, yeah. Did that just, that just revealed some things about you that you didn't like or that and you just thought well this is true about me like it, it took your value talk to me about that yeah so in in college i was i dated this girl for like three years three and a half years something like that mm -hmm. and then we broke up and then uh i remember uh things just started to like crumble a little bit because i thought oh man this relationship was supposed to like you know like when you go to Adventist school mm-hmm like you're supposed to get married. That's how <laughs> That's it works, kind of right? Thing. Especially, especially if you're like a pastor. Like I remember not having a girlfriend, like hurt my chances of like getting a job a little bit too. Um, so anyway, there was all this expectation of like getting a, a getting married, uh, finding a pastoral job somewhere, having children. Like there's the story that kind of plays out that I had in my mind of like this is how life is supposed to go, and if it doesn't go like this then that means that I must not be doing it right. And I must not be as good as I thought because it, this path not, must not be for me. Like, like God must've made a mistake when he made a call. And so like when I broke up with this girl and I didn't find someone immediately, <laughs> uh, it was not good. And then uh, like, it was my senior year uh, after I came back from up Columbia Academy and I uh, still didn't have a girlfriend. And then it was like even hard to get a job. After that, like, uh, I didn't, I only found like part-time pastoral work. Um, and so I decided to take like a use, uh, the job, uh, at Blue Mountain Academy. Wait, hold on. Let, and so before you it, get to that, when did you feel like, cause I was talking to my mom about this the other day and we're talking yeah. about all of these pastors that we know, because when you're an Adventist education, as long as I am, you end up knowing a lot of pastors, uh, for sure. When did you feel like you were called to be a pastor? What was that whole thing? Oh, uh, so the first time like I felt I felt a call to like ministry, 
uh, was at summer camp with Michael Paradise, actually. Oh, the guy. <laughs> my boy. Uh, my friend. Your friend. That's my dad. Uh, who's down in Florida. Yeah. Yeah. I love that guy. Same. Um, anyway, I just remember working at summer camp with him. Like, in his first year was kind of rough. Because, uh, you know, he didn't last the whole time with the other director that was there. I do <laughs> you know I do remember that story. Not, not for this podcast, but it's a good story. <laughs> it's a good story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a horrible story. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's tough. It's a hard one. <laughs> but uh, I just remember, like, in the next year, like, he hired me back, and I was probably still too young to work camp. I think I was 16 when he hired me again. Um, but anyway, I just, that whole summer, I remember watching him do what he was doing, and I remember I had this, like, close encounter with Christ, like, you know, because at Broken Air Ranch, there's this hill with the sunset, and so, like, we'd sing and we'd worship up there, and so, like, I had discovered the joy of, like, leading worship the joy of like having people like come to Christ, make decisions for Christ. And I was making decisions for Christ at that time. And I thought, man, this is all happening because of like the things that Michael Paradise is doing, like to lead us in this direction and take us to this place. And I thought that is what I want to be a part of. And, you know, he has such a magnetic personality. And I think, man, if you can have fun and do things for Jesus and <laughs> get paid for it, like that's the trifecta of stuff. Yeah, it is. Uh, and so I thought, man, this would be cool to do. And so that was kind of where I got the idea of like jump, jumping into ministry in some capacity. Um, yeah, man, that was a big thing for me. And then it kept going with like campus ministry stuff that I did at, at Union College and uh, working with Rich Carlson, my boy. Oh, retired now. My man. Good dude. Um, yeah, he's a good dude. Anyway, yeah, so those guys kind of led me into this whole idea of ministry, the, past, the professors at the college. It was cool. It was really cool, man. I loved it. But then you get you graduate and you're like, ah, where do I go? Or who will have me? <laughs> who will take me? I'll go anywhere. I know I all of the religious stuff <laughs> to teach you. As I got a C in Hebrew <laughs> and a B in Greek. Will you still take me? <laughs> so we're going to be heavier in the New Testament than the Old Testament. <laughs> But that's what people like anyway. That's right. So that's right. Uh, yeah. So yeah. What did that do to your confidence? What did that do to 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 old Mikey when you didn't get? Yeah, that call? old me, devastated. I uh, man, it sucked. <laughs> um, it was the worst. I thought, man, surely someone wants me. Surely someone will pay me to do anything. And uh, yeah, it was just. I remember uh, the Kansas Nebraska president, uh, he he said, we have a part-time job and you're going to have to live inside the church. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I said, uh, let me think about it. And so I looked for literally anything else um, because that is not what I wanted to do. Like there was no kids and I thought that I needed to work with youth to like, Cause that's the only place that I had ever worked and I felt comfortable. And so like, if that isn't where I was led, like I thought, man, I must not, this must've been the wrong choice. I must not be called to be a pastor. And so that's why I stepped into deaning. Cause I thought, man, if I'm not good enough to be hired by, you know, cause they bring, I don't, I don't know if you've ever been part of, you've heard of the meat markets, right? Yeah. 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 For sure. At union college. Yeah. Yeah. The meat market is where they call, they bring all the presidents of the Minimark union together and then they just interview you and you go through and talk and all this kind of stuff. And, uh, yeah, I remember coming out and I remember no, no presidents really wanted to talk to me. <laughs> uh, 
And I was just deflated because I thought, why am I even at this stupid event if no one wants to be here, wants me to be here? Um, and so everything that I did was like uh, down the tubes. Like I thought, man, what a waste of four years. Um, and clearly it was not like, clearly there was more, much more to my, like the things that I did, all the journey that I'd gone on, all that stuff. But like in the moment, like everything that I had then boiled down to like this job that I was supposed to get, this money that I was supposed to be making, like the status that I was supposed to have in a community as a pastor and the thing, the lives that I was going to change and all that kind of stuff. And it was just gone. It had been pulled from me and I thought I'd been cheated a little bit. <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> That you just said all the yeah. lives that I was going to change. Now they're no longer going to be changed. Yeah. But that's not really what you're thinking. You're thinking, what the <laughs> flip am I going to do? It'd be cool if we were thinking, oh, what are all the people whose lives need to be changed? What are they going to do now that I'm not hired and their that's lives true. aren't changed? But that's right. But we're really like we just get into these lies and and we're like the main yeah. lies like God's not going to take care of me. He doesn't love me. Or you don't actually yeah. think that you just feel it heavy. Yeah, and it does come out in those other ways for sure. But yeah, I thought I'd been abandoned. Yeah, like uh, the things that God said He would do for me weren't. Yeah, definitely. What, how were you dealing with uh, areas of your life that you weren't super happy in, like your theology? Uh, how are you dealing with, uh, you know, when you would make mistakes? How uh, how did you live with with that stuff? Oh, yeah. So I uh, was a lot more harsh to myself back in those days. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so when I made a mistake, like, you know, anytime I got into porn, anytime I got into anytime I like crossed the lines in relationships. Right. Anytime I did those kinds of things, like I felt terrible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, I knew better. And so one of the things, yeah, I knew better. And I thought. That if I knew better, it was like harder and harder for Jesus to forgive me each time. And so a big thing for me was like, I always had this belief that like God and I had like a cooling off period uh, for forgiveness. I don't know if you've ever thought that about God, but like um, I knew like uh, as the as the years progressed and like, uh, you know, the more you mess up, the more you're unkind to people, the more you jump into like uh, all those kinds of things like. Um, I felt like the more that I did those things intentionally, like whether it was porn, whether it was uh, relationship stuff, the more that I did that, like anytime I would ask for forgiveness, like God would be like, let me think about it. <laughs> wait, 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 come back to me in like a couple days after I like let this go. And uh, God's like, and I so, need like, some I time wait. away from you for a minute. Yeah. He's like, like, I imagine God was upset. Have you ever, have you ever watched Adventures in the Bible? I don't know. Uh, Tell me. With like, Han Han Hannah Barbara. Anyways, there's this there's this old <laughs> there's this old TV show, Adventures in the Bible. There's like Alex Moki. Moki, yeah, for like sure, that. with the Dodgers hat, for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, and so anyway, there's this episode where they like go back in time. For people who haven't checked it out, check it on YouTube. They are very old and cheesy. They're good. They're great. And uh, they're, <laughs> they're great for sure. There's this old one like where they do creation. Uh huh. And, like, they go through, like, the story of, like, where Adam and Eve, like, eat the apple. And, like, the moment Adam eats it, like, clouds come over and, like, thunder and lightning. And there's, like, this God voice, Adam, Eve. And uh, 
anyway and so adam like comes out trembling out of the you know from the bushes like i thought i'm afraid because i was naked and then guys goes who told you anyway this is this really judgmental god like thunder and lightning and so like whenever i messed up because i knew like adam knew he messed up right that's the that's the kind of idea behind that story um and so i knew i'd messed up and so i thought there was this god seeking to pass judgment on me and so like if i thought if i hid long enough like adam and eve like maybe god would cool off just enough to like let me go with like a pass this one time like he'd forgive me now and so like that time got further and further like i remember even thinking like well probably in two more days i can like start listening to praise music again (laughs) (laughs) dag hanna-barbera you're messing and the whole point of that story is like that's the way we're not supposed to live and you watch it and you're like this is how it's done I cannot listen yeah. to Oceans by Hillsong for another 36 hours. And then That's right. Oh man, that's that's nothing. Yeah. That's nothing but a lie. Like a bold yeah. face lie, right? Yeah. And it's funny the lies like I went to theology school. I'd read the Bible stuff. <laughs> and like I believed this crap. It was terrible. <laughs> Cuz that is nothing like who Jesus is. But it There's is nothing like but it is 100% how we are in our old selves it's it's how we treat people yeah it's in the flesh like we do need to cool off when someone hurts us we do need (laughs) like we think of god as just like nicer us in the flesh and god's just like he's different he's better kinder more loving for sure so you could read all that stuff and know all that stuff but it doesn't it it isn't your life lived because your feelings and your how you believe the world works uh doesn't line up with it yeah and and even through all this time like part of me ah man there's just i just remember there was part of me like um when i'd hear particular sermon that was like really focused on grace like i always knew deep down within me like that i thought man there's got to be something better than like this thing that this thing that i'm living now like there's got to be something more something different because this can't be uh the way like the back and forth this can't be how it is like this god like he can't be he can't be like the way that i'm seeing him it must be something different uh, than this whole nonsense because I thought, man, this is not this is not a sustainable way to live. Bro, tell me if this is like I thought the same thing but my conclusion, tell me if you had the same conclusion. My conclusion was well, it's my fault. Like, there's so much better, like it has to be better than this but I keep screwing up. This is my fault. Like I could have this awesome thing that it seems like everyone's talking about and preaching about, but I don't have it because I can't get over that thing over there. And then when I get over that thing, then this other thing comes up. And if I could just be more disciplined, I could live. It could be so much better if I could just have discipline. And so then I would read the books about discipline. Like, was this your conclusion or was this just me? Like, I think that's the only way that I knew how to do it. Like that was the only way that I think I was ever presented with it. I, I mean, until later, um, 
like the way out like you know because like you union college i remember they'd bring guys to talk about pornography addiction they bring in guy, people to talk about you know your spiritual walk and all this kind of stuff like how to read your bible and 10-step programs to do this and that and all this kind of stuff and like that the only way that was presented to me like is if you cut things out of your life <laughs> and if you uh like set up these things like put these whether it's blockers on your computer or whether it's like uh alarms on your phone or whether it's checking in with people and having like accountability partners for like different kinds of stuff like that was the only way that i understood victory so for sure victory was through the fight and through the struggle man yeah it is only until i've understood freedom where i've understood how some of this thing is supposed to work but that it didn't get preached to me the right way and i'll explain it like this there was this uh this guy on the circuit that would go do weeks of prayer and would go do like a uh, youth rallies and he was he was well known in adventist circles and he would get up and he would talk about pornography and how he was or used to be an addict and it was kind of just like, whoa, this guy. And I got to spend a long time with this guy when I was in Florida one year. Um, I was there for a recruiting event, and a, a friend of mine was a friend of his, and so we got to spend a long time t- together. And so I asked him this question. Like, I just got to it. I'm like, hey, man, talk to me about such and such. And he said something to me like, yeah, man, it's been 375 days since I've looked at pornography. And I was like, oh, And then he said, I even had to abstain from sex with my wife for a month because my therapist said that, and this is a well-known preacher who's telling me this. Yeah. And I'm thinking that all this stuff and I'm like, okay. And it motivated me to get like a counter on my phone and it motivated me to (laughs) like, I was married at the time and I'm like, okay, well maybe, and now in freedom, as I look back at it, some of the stuff he was saying was completely true that when you're addicted to pornography, like any kind of sexual encounter is going to push you back towards pornography. And But his answers were like the 12 steps. It He was doing a mixture of Jesus and the 12 steps and when I walked into freedom, I started to understand like, Oh, that is not, that is not the way, but like, there's so many good, sincere people that get so burned out because they can't stop doing it, that they give up and they're so sincere, but we're dying because we don't understand the gospel. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, man. Yeah. I get that. <laughs> that was me. It's tiring and exhausting to live like that. Oh, bro. Who are you telling, bro? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's tiring. So it's hard. Did, when you didn't get a job, did you did you start blaming yourself for like any kind of lack of discipline or something? Like Um I don't know that I saw lack of discipline as much as just who I was wasn't good enough. Mm. so it's deeper like, than that like yeah yeah it was not 
try if I tried harder because I think I did okay in school. <laughs> <laughs> like I had the grades. I had um, uh, yeah, I had the grades and stuff like that. My my one B was in painting. Painting for uh, everybody with was, Mr. Mac. It was oil painting with Mr. Mac. He gave me a B. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, he uh so I I mean I did I thought I did fine in school, like I was did a bunch of stuff, and so I just thought like if I did all this work and put into it and it's still not enough, then the problem must not be with what I'm doing. It must be with who I am. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was a heavy, heavy burden on me then. Because like then every time I looked at myself and anytime I had any moment of introversion, yeah. like, I, like I'd look at myself like I just saw... I saw what I thought everyone else was seeing. Like I thought I was seeing like ugly, not good enough, um, not qualified, not, I don't know, something, something deeper that just was bad. Like I was rotten to the core for some reason. Did any of your close friends or family know this? How you saw yourself? No, <laughs> no. <laughs> because if I did that, if I said it out loud, then it might be true. Dude, because, like, you played it off, bro. Because I would have never yeah. in a million years thought that you thought that about yourself just because of your your outlook, it seemed. It seemed like your positivity. It just seemed like you're so happy and friendly. And I'm trying to decide right yeah. now. I'm like, is that a good thing that, like, you're the sad clown? like, Or that, like, you hid this sadness? Yeah. Like... Maybe that's a good thing. So no, I don't know. Like it's, and this is the craziest thing about, well, I don't want to jump into freedom too early, not, not but yeah, yet. <laughs> but yeah, that's the thing that freedom did for me. Like anyway, it just, it just changed everything. Like it changed the part that mattered most, hmm. but yeah, but it was like, yeah, yeah. Like the Instagram, Facebook, image that you could put up mm -hmm. to be with people like yeah yeah it uh i was really good at it i thought <laughs> were you were you last question before we get to blue mountain were you at the yeah. uh me and drew and tyler and aaron we're gonna not look at porn uh meeting that we had the night that the girl fell from the ceiling what remember the girl i don't remember that the girl remember uh what's her name Heather Boulay when she fell. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was so I was not there. No. Okay. So that doesn't. Okay. So the next thing, you go to Blue Mountain. Man, that was. That, I thought we were going to go somewhere with that line of questioning. So you go. I'm to, really interested to hear about that sometime. But sure. oh no, man, we just had this meeting of all of us dudes who were just like, like this is when Porn Kills Love was coming out. Do you remember that? Oh. And we we're all yeah. just like, yeah, man, it certainly does. And we're not about it. And we had this meeting, and it was at Drew's apartment at Cooper's place. Uh, and then, Oh, at my place. It was at your place, and you weren't there. This is funny. Okay. And that's the <laughs> night that, that the tragedy happened at, at the gymnastics practice. But wow. I'll never forget that. So you go to Blue Mountain, bro. Yep. And you're an assistant dean. What are you doing? I was assistant dean and assistant chaplain. And uh, yeah, what were you gonna find out about yourself? Were you just like, yeah, they gave me a shot? What, what was it? Happy? Was it just like 
it was it was like uh man i'm trying to think of the story but yeah no it was just like i was put out to pasture i felt like you know like you do with like old horses and old animals stuff like that you just put them out in the field to like graze and then die and i thought that's what happened to me <laughs> at 22 years old or 23 years old. At, that's right at the yeah yeah when I, I thought i was done like i thought all right i guess i'm just gonna be doing this the rest of my life and uh it was the worst it was uh it was terrible so like i like it was a fun year for me because you know you get to hang out with kids and do stuff i found out i did not like deaning at all i hate it because you had to be tough uh, it was not a good yeah you have to be really tough and so for me like with my with my identity deep within me like in crisis like me thinking i was garbage it was hard for me to come hard on anybody because i thought i mean they're not as bad as i am oh man <laughs> so they must be good yeah so discipline was a lot tougher for me that that time because man yeah i just thought i was the worst so so and because you needed those kids to like you for you to like any part of yourself and then whenever you would come down on them they were like i don't like you mr archibald you're yeah. just like well i don't like me either so we're in the same boat and i <laughs> i needed you to say something nice about me that's right yeah that's definitely it i uh it was really hard <laughs> because everything that they said changed everything about me like and every time they said something bad about me i thought you're right for sure no, I agree with you. <laughs> uh, but I still, you know, had to get kids in trouble. But you like can't that. So say I, that. I you can't say you're right. You say something like, well, Tommy, that's very disrespectful. And there has to be a consequence. Um, and I wish you wouldn't have said if, that. But you're just like, how right. does he know? If you can't, if I can't say it out loud, neither can you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is sad. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's tough. For sure. So you got out of that year and you're just like, yo, this is not my career path. Well, so I got one of the coolest things that happened there was I got uh, this opportunity to like do a, uh, it was like a day camp program. Mm -hmm. um, and so the conference had just like their youth directors were in flux for the Pennsylvania conference. And so they said, Hey, Mikey, can you run the cool camp program? So it's a day camp program traveled around different uh, camps, our different churches. And we ran like a VBS program. Mm -hmm from in the morning eight to like four or five in the afternoon and so i gotta build a team um i wrote a play and i did all this stuff and so it was really cool we went and traveled to different churches like did all these programs had a really good time and it like revived a little bit of like that camp kind of feeling mm -hmm. um and so i thought well this is kind of what i'm better at this is what i know to do so built this program up and then i remember we were at the pool because every afternoon we'd like take kids to the pool and uh I got a phone call from the principal of the school and he said, listen, our numbers are down for next year mm. and we don't have room in the, in the staff for you. So we're going to have to let you go. And so I thought, you know, if this was already out to pasture, <laughs> now I no longer also have room in this place. And uh, yeah, so it's tough. So finish off the summer and yeah, all the good that I thought I was building up, like, just amounted back to nothing. So you had to leave Hamburg, so, uh, PA, to go. Where Where do you go home. after Hamburg, PA? You go to your parents' house. Oh, I've been there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I love my parents to death, and they love me and would give me anything I need. But I thought, man, 
I don't know that I want to be living with my parents at uh, 26, 25, something like that. What were you going to, yeah. what were you going to do for a job? So I, I'd packed everything up and I moved back to my parents' home in Kansas. And, uh, and I, this was like, yeah, this was, this felt like my lowest point. Cause like, uh, yeah, cause the job, yeah, success meant a lot to me. And like seeing, being seen as good enough was very big for me. It turns out, mm-hmm. um, and especially like in this moment, like I thought, man, I am kind of homeless and I'm kind of jobless. I don't have any money. I, I didn't have anything because I barely made money at Blue Mountain Academy. Um, so I didn't really have a whole lot saved up or anything. And uh, Pennsylvania talked about hiring me on like part time uh, doing something else in the conference. Um, but then I so I, earlier, like the year before when I graduated, Eric Vandenberg had called me. Mm-hmm. You know, have you you know, Eric, right? I have not met him, but I do know him. Oh, you should meet him one of these days. He is very nice. One of these days. Yeah, 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 yeah. He uh, he had called me, and I turned him down, and I'd chosen to go to Pennsylvania instead. So anyway, I called him back up, and I said, "Hey, do you have anything for like a couple months that I can come do out in Hawaii?" Um, and he said, "Let me get back to you." He eventually got back to me, and like after living two months in my parents' house, um, like Eric hadn't gotten back to me after a while. And so my dad said, well, Mikey, if you're going to be here long term, maybe you should just become a teacher's assistant and get like a credit for that. And then you can live here for as long as you need to until the next thing comes along. And so I was about to start. And then Eric called and uh, and he said, hey, we have a job for six months if you want to come out. Um, an internship, if you want to come out and do six, to, six months at a job, a Japanese church. And I thought, sure, <laughs> why not? <laughs> I speak Japanese, so... Yeah, fluent. Konnichiwa. That's it. Arigato. Arigato. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so you, you well, the job was an internship at a Japanese Seventh-day Adventist church? Japanese Manoa. Yeah. What were you going to do? a good little church. You, what were you... I was a youth pastor there. Okay. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I started working there. Moved to Hawaii. Uh, moved to Hawaii. Packed up my two bags of stuff, went there, moved into the apartment. That's where I met Ben Williams, Wes Welch, Chris Jenkins. Do you, you know Ben Williams? Oh, he was on here. Man, his podcast. It was so nice. Wasn't it so good? Uh, it was so good. I loved it. Man, I love Ben. I love that dude, too. Uh, yeah, he's really cool. So, so you're just out the there just... Was this crazy? Was this like... Hey, mom and dad, I'm moving to Hawaii. Like, was it exciting? Or were you just like, I'm back, baby? (laughs) (laughs) I was pumped. And I did think, well, if Eric wants me to come out and do that, then I must be called to this. For sure. (laughs) And then, oh, what? Yeah. I was just going to say, like, if Eric says I have value, perhaps I do have value. (laughs) Yeah. It reminds me of, like, (laughs) do you ever watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine? I don't, but I think I'm sure it's funny. Tell me the thing. Anyway, no, no, no. He just uh, the one of them, Andy Sandberg, the character, just the captain turns into his father figure, and he always teaches him like, "Hey, Dad, <laughs> thanks, Dad." Anyway, that's what I felt like in this moment. Like, finally, I got this approval of a pastor who had some kind of thing. So, like, God must also find me worthy for sure. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that was it. So you're living in an apartment uh, with Ben and a couple other brothers. That's right. 
living it up in hot Hawaii, beautiful Hawaii. It was a great place to be. I loved it. So what happened next, and, man? Uh, Tell us what happened next. We, we were just doing ministry, doing stuff like that. And uh, then I remember there was one time uh, towards the beginning where all of this like house of cards that I built up, like if Eric approves of me, then maybe I'd be good enough. Like he had, he, Eric talked to me and he's like, yeah, well, we got your resume. We, we were in a staff meeting because we had those like every Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's like, I got your resume. And honestly, and I remember he turned to me, Mikey, yours is really crappy. And then <laughs> he like laid out like some of the references I had were not glowing references like I they should have been. <laughs> like you picked the wrong people. Is that what you're saying? On your resume? <laughs> Dang. Yeah. You're like, this guy's got me. The guy did not, not. have you. <laughs> he did not have my back. <laughs> For sure. Oh, that's so sad. For sure. Yeah. And so, like, in that moment, like, Eric, I felt, I remember feeling like a gut punch uh, of, like, my ego was just deflated, for sure. You're like, cool, cool, cool on the outside, but no, not. Yeah, yeah. And so then I remember, I remember turning up, like, okay, I'm going to prove to Eric that I am good enough. And so, like, I worked in Japanese when I was, like, building up all these different programs, stuff like that. And then uh, six months was coming to an end. And I was like, well, I'm about to leave. And then I remember Eric came to me and he's like, Mikey, we have another church. If you want to stay one more year, you're going to switch to this other church called Kailua. You'll be working there. Uh, we'd love to have you one more year. And uh, I thought, awesome. Now Eric knows that I'm good enough and he wants to keep me around. And uh, and then everything changed <laughs> when Jonathan Leonardo came into town. <laughs> what year is this? Tell me what year is this. I think this is... Uh, 2017. That's the year. 2018. Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, yeah. So he came to live in. Like I remember, I'd seen him at like Kansas, Nebraska. Uh, what do you call it? Camp uh-huh. meeting. Like he did some young adult thing, and so like I knew him, and I thought, oh, we're gonna be friends. Uh, and I had no idea what was coming. Um, but I knew like Eric wanted to do this evangelistic series. Jonathan, like we were supposed to preach them at the beginning, but then Jonathan like took over and was like, well, I'm going to do the preaching. And so, um, yeah, we started to do this evangelistic series. Like it goes around once and I thought, wow, this is a really cool message. (laughs) I thought this is really good. And I, and I saw all these people like live change stuff like that. And I thought, man, this is really cool. And then we did another one. What was so cool about it? You're just like neat. Yeah. So I think at the beginning, that's what I, I just thought it was neat. Um, cause I thought I really like the way Jonathan preaches. <laughs> I think that at a base, like that's what it was. I don't know that I necessarily like heard the thing. And so, um, but like, as the time went on, like I started like listening to it more and like the one that really hit me, the story, like the thing that really hit was like the prodigal son story. Sure. Like when I, when I heard the idea of like always a son, mm-hmm. that was a radical difference to the person or to the god that i had understood in the past Mm. like and so like uh uh, i don't think it's in the videos on uh, lovereality.org but uh like when he does the punch johnny Mm -hmm. you know that part like so when you for those of you don't know like the punch johnny part is like you go johnny your friend makes fun of you Mm. (laughs) you punch him in the face and then obviously you need forgiveness because you have offended god and so you go grab a lamb, you kill the lamb, and then you are made right with God. And so, like, there's this back and forth, like, you go back to your friend, he punch him again because he says he's still ugly. Anyway, this whole thing, like, just going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And I, this was my whole understanding 
of like who God was and how I was supposed to relate to him. Hmm. Like that, cause my acceptance and my, my value and all these things were, was all dependent on my ability to return back to God and ask for forgiveness. And if I did that, then for sure he would do it. Like the most beautiful way that I can understand it, like before in my, in my dead state was like, I, yeah, it was this, like I had to come back, come back, come back. And so it was always dependent on like me doing the thing in order to like get the thing that I needed from God. And so like when I understood, like as time went on in this message, like when I understood that, wait, Jesus died once and for all, and he wants me to live. He has set me in a place of victory. And I work from like the finish line. I work from like completion. I will work from wholeness, not from like lack. I work from abundance, not from lack, nothing. Mm -hmm. I don't know what the opposite of abundance is. But like that was life changing for me. That was just different. That was something that I'd never heard before, or at least never understood before for myself. Um, because like I always thought, like, oh yeah, you have to grow closer to Jesus. Because growing closer means that there's still distance between you. You, you want to know right? why you thought that? Because that's the way, that's the way we preach it. <laughs> like it's not a mystery yeah, yeah. we preach it like that yeah, bro. Yeah. we preach it to young people like that and we're just like yeah. tips and tricks to how to get close to god and yeah like there's no it's not a mystery why we believe the things we believe and that may be the saddest of all it's because yeah. that's how it's preached and we just i was talking to a youth pastor the other day and he's just like, I don't get why these kids don't see that there's no, like, the, this thing doesn't have power. I don't know why they don't see it. And I'm like, yeah. Well, I was like, well, you tell me, man. Why, why don't they see it? And he didn't, he didn't really say anything to me. I was like, because we don't <laughs> preach that it does have power, bro. And I, hopefully I didn't say it like that. <laughs> I'm sure you said that. So. I, I try to be. This is the condensed version. I try to be super nice, yeah. but that's why you believe what you believed about it, dude. Is because for sure that's how we preach it, but yeah. not no mo. Not no mo. No, yeah, yeah. It's crazy the lies that I believe. Like looking back, oh man, what a difference. What a difference. <laughs> okay, so the first time through, you're getting it a little bit. The second time through, you're starting to understand this prodigal son thing. Yeah. So prodigal son and all these things are starting to like click and hit in different places. And so like, I remember, <laughs> I remember like it kept clicking and going and going and I kept building. And until like, I had to hear it like nine times until something really happened. Like until like, I finally like, like everything like came together in, yeah, in a moment. What? Why do you um, think it took so long? I... <laughs> I mean, I had bought, bought into a lot of lies, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> and I think I think my need, because at, at the time, right, because like I was good at like putting up like the face, right? Like everything's good. Everything's fine. Mm -hmm. And so like I thought like mm -hmm. any kind of brokenness, any kind of any kind of anything that I needed uh, was like meaning that I didn't have something. Mm. But the lie is that I already had the thing, even when I didn't think I did. 
was just so funny. Um, but yeah, so like if I admitted like that this was the thing, um, then my house of cards would fall apart. Like, who would I be? Well, I'd be exactly who Jesus said I was. <laughs> was it? Which is good. So, but you didn't want to give that up because that would have meant that you didn't understand some things. Because it would be hard. Because then I would have to like, if I had to say also that I used to be this thing, like it would like, I don't know. It would it, for me at least. It was it was really hard to like admit like that I that I used to be into porn stuff like that. <laughs> I could not talk about that. <laughs> like it was a real big. Sh- you know how like preachers would get up and talk about it and like admit that they were like you were talking about mm-hmm. that guy who was like 360 whatever days like those were always really shocking to me because i thought i could never say that front i could never say that that was who i was or anything like that because i was just so wrapped up in like needing to be good enough be the person that people saw and so yeah for some reason like speaking the things and putting it into light would liberate me but at the same time, mm-hmm. I thought I would be full of shame and guilt, which is the opposite of what really happened. Like, dude, so does that make sense? Yeah, because this whole time, like, what you're saying is like making me think about, like, I would buy literature to say to like deal with like sexual addiction, which I don't believe I was addicted mm-hmm. to sex. But I would right. buy the literature to read it and to look into it. And I bought all the Christian books about it and like even some. But at the same time, while those are in my Kindle library, I can't mm-hmm. say out loud that I have the problem with it. Because then it would be true. But in my mind, it's like the thing that you can't say it out loud, but it's in your head. But if you were at this point to believe what Jonathan's preaching, you would also have to believe that this thing that you know is true is actually true, that you did struggle with pornography from before, or you did struggle with whatever, but you can't say it because that's who you, you, that's who you believed you were at the moment. Right. And then there comes this moment where we're like, yo, because of the gospel, that is no longer who I am. And that was the part that was hardest for me to understand. Like that was the thing that I didn't realize by speaking it out loud, like that moment of confession about like what that sin really was, what that thing really was. I was not becoming that thing. I was becoming more than that thing. Like I was stepping into this thing that was free from that. Like I was, when I talk about it now, I always attribute to like, have do you like roller coasters, Rich? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So roller coasters for me, like I hated roller coasters until like I had to get one of my youth on the roller coaster because he wouldn't go because he was scared. And so I thought, oh, I can't let him be scared, even though I'm terrified of them. <laughs> so like I told him we got on the roller coaster and I said, all right, when we go down, we're going to lift our hands up and we're going to scream at the top of our lungs. And so like that was the first time, like when I lifted my hands up and let go and screamed and let everything out. Like it was the first time, like, cause normally when I went to roller coasters, I would cling to this thing and I would like grip my teeth and like hold on and not enjoy the moment of the fall. Um, anyway, then I couldn't enjoy the whole roller coaster. And so like in, in the same way, like confession worked the same way for me. Like when I said the things out loud, like it was like, I let go of the thing and like, <laughs> 
and like i was floating um uh, was the thing that it, that it was like like i was finally like no longer held down like once it was in the light i realized that thing had no power like it was just a lie dude that is so real because you're holding on so hard for dear life white knuckling against sin and and then when you give it up and you realize oh it's over so many people have this experience where they feel light just happy weight lifted off of them it's crazy how almost so many of these stories and i'm just thinking about it and i can like almost feel it in my body right now because i've seen so yeah. many people like sitting right in front of me when they confess yeah. truth believe it and they're just like oh mercy um yeah but so how did this happen for you you're it's starting to make sense. It's clicking. Jonathan, you've heard Jonathan preach the same sermon a bunch of times, but now it's about you. Yeah. Over and over. Yeah. And so that's why I always tell people when they hear for the first time and they're like, ah, I just don't get it. I was like, it's okay. It took me a long time too. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. Just, just stick with it. Trust me. It'll be worth it. But, uh, <laughs> but we were, I think we we're on big Island or something like that. And uh, so I remember like it started hitting um, there's this lady there. Oh, there's, oh, hold on. I think my dad's calling me. No worries. Still in your yeah. Yeah, you're good. Cool. I'll, I'll take care of it. What? You're the truck. <laughs> Sorry. We're definitely <laughs> leaving that in the podcast, by the way. Are we? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Perfect. 100%. That's my dad. His name is Michael. He's really nice. And now Eddie is FaceTiming me. So My friend Eddie? Eddie Cornejo. And I just hung up on him. Ah, yeah. How did you? Okay. So, uh, nighttime, we're on the big island doing it for the first time. There's a lady named Sunshine there. Um, she's really sweet, really cool. Um, but really, like, mystical and mysterious uh-huh. in the way that she was talking. And she kind of weirded me out. Um, but in, like, a good way. Right. Um, and I just remember, like, um, it was the last day, like, it was Saturday, we were about to finish up, we had done all these cool different things, and so, uh, we were, Sunshine came up, and she's like, hey, let's gather all the interns together, and we're gonna have this time of confession, hmm. <laughs> and we're gonna get rid of all these different things, and so I remember we pulled back, you know, if you've ever been in a church like this, <laughs> thanks, Dad. Yeah, it's staying on there. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, he uh, we're in the back room. If you've ever been to church, like in the side room, uh, right next to the stage, we were all back there. It was really jam packed. And so like, um, I remember Jonathan, Eric, and Sunshine was the lady, and she um, she's like, "Hey, we're gonna have this time of confession. If there's anything that you guys want to let go and be free from, like, let's do it right now." And like, it was really serious. And so I remember we were all like looking at each other, <laughs> me and my friend Chris, Yutho, Gabe, all these different people. We were all looking around and uh, like then I just saw this weight on my friend Chris. Um, and then he's like, I'll do it. And so like we all laid hands on him. And, uh, and I remember he just started like confessing, like all these lies that he had believed about himself, all these different things. And like I started 
like he had this at the beginning, like his face was full of pain. And at the end, I remember he was just in tears and he was happy and full of joy. And I thought, man, I want that. Mm -hmm. Like I want, I want to be free. And then this of the pastor of the church that was there, he came in and he was like all stressed out and worked up and we're like, you need confession or they were like, you need confession. (laughs) So he like, he did the same thing. Like he was like, no, 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 I don't have time. I don't have time. (laughs) And then we all laid hands on him. He like knelt down and he was like then crying and weeping. And we just saw this weight like lifted off him. It was the craziest thing. And uh, me and my friend Yuto, I think were the last ones that like hadn't, hadn't done it in the room. And, uh, and then I think Jonathan and Eric are like, you know, uh, anyone else? Is there another? <laughs> you know how they how you do that from the front. Just one more. Just one more. Just one more. Yeah, and I felt that weight, uh, and I had never like felt the weight before because I thought I was always I'm fine. Like I had already been baptized, stuff like that. I was good, but like in this moment, like I thought, man, there's nothing I want to do more than just like let it all go, and be done with it. But then, like this voice of shame, like if you say this you are going to always be seen as the thing once you say it out loud. And so like they waited and waited and we did not budge. <laughs> and so you're like, I'm good. And so we left there like we finished, we cleaned up, walked out of the back room. Um, we did a couple of baptisms. We left, we got back to the office um, with Tuesday, the next week we got back and uh, we were in the staff meeting and Eric <laughs> like laid down his Bible and he's like, all right, let's do it. We're going to do confession again. Who's up? (laughs) Um, Like Eric does, man. He's so bold and I love it. It's very good for me. Um, And I was like, me. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, anyway, so like I immediately followed this weight and like they all came and laid their hands on me, like surrounded me. And um, man, it was this crazy thing. Like I started confessing, like, uh, sexual sin, stuff like that, like my of my guilt with like porn, stuff like that. Um, and then I started doing also like my the the identity that I had, like uh, with my weight issue as well, mm-hmm. like uh, like being seen as less because I'm overweight. Uh, all these different things, like uh, my thing about not being married yet, was a thing that like I was tied to, uh, that I thought I was less than, and so I just started saying all these things that used to be huge things for me that used to be identifying factors like of who I was and like who I thought I should be. Um, and there was this weird thing that happened, like, and then Jonathan started speaking and praying over me, like my, who I was, my identity, like speaking me as a son and always being a son and always being a child and being free from sin free from death, all these different kinds of things. And like, um, it was the craziest experience I've ever had. I think um, like I felt in the moment, like I felt power come in. It's a weird thing. I don't know if, I don't know if people experience it a lot. I don't know, but it's just what I have. Um, but it's the thing, like I knew the thing that was already true about me. I knew the truth. I knew cause I had spoken it out. Like all these lies were in front of me. All these things were dead in front of me were powerless in front of me. And so I felt power come in. And like, I felt my hands, like I felt a weightlessness about my body that I, I knew, I knew that I was free and I knew that I was uh, free from all those weights, but like my hands started, my hands started lifting up and, uh, I was just weightless. Um, and like, I was just relaxed 
And then I started laughing and it felt like, uh, it almost felt like laughter for the first time was genuine. Hmm. Um, like I felt a joy that was unspeakable. Um, yeah, it was like all these lies that I'd believed was like a huge prank that the devil had been pulling on me this whole time. And like, I had found out that it was a huge joke because those things never had power. We're never strong. We're never anything that had the ability to control my life or tell me who I was or anything like that. And so like, it was like, I was now in on the joke that the lie was just a, yeah, it was a joke. The amount of power that I'd given it, the amount of power that I thought it had over my life. And so now that they had spoken, now I knew they were nothing. They're nothing. And so it was beautiful. I cried. I wept. I laughed. <laughs> and it was so good, man. Uh, it was so good. And so, like, for the first time, like, I saw myself uh, as Jesus saw me. Like, I saw myself as uh, as I really was. And it was good. Why were you laughing? It was really good. Uh, yeah. I mean, I... <laughs> yeah. Because I realized I was enough wow like that was it man like i was just so happy like my for at least the past five ten years before that point like i had just not been anyone that i would ever consider good or worth being around and now i saw like wow i i'm co-heirs with christ <laughs> like i am I am deserving of all the spiritual blessings. Like Jesus has given those things to me and I'm loved completely and fully like what? Yeah, man, it was so good. I, uh, yeah, <laughs> it was a really good day. <laughs> yeah, man. So what happened? What's happened since then, man? Uh, since then, Oh, I didn't need Eric's approval anymore, which was really nice because <laughs> I felt like I could finally like be friends with him and not like be his friend because I needed something from him. Um, that was really cool. Um, it was a lot different. Like I just found that I could love people in ways that I, with no expectation from them. Um, and that was just a huge game changer for me. Um, uh, because for me, all my relationships, I felt like up to that point had been built because I wanted something from them. Like I needed to get something, I needed approval or something like that. But like now that I could be friends with people, like not only could I, not only could I love them better, but I could also do this thing where I could also speak truth to them and not need them to like approve of me. Um, so like one of the first things I did was like, I told my friend Drew, you know drew uh it was cool man yeah. <laughs> yeah and so like just tell him about this awesome thing that happened to me and um and then it kept going from there like i remember telling my brother and it kept expanding from there and like he's jumped in on stuff it's been it's been really nice like um because a big thing for one of the things for my ministry back when i was really young um was like wanting to see my family like experience jesus hmm. um and so like having one of the things one of the beautiful things like is that 
I had nothing to do with anything of their <laughs> salvation, anything like that. Um, but the burden was lifted off me and I could finally like share this awesome thing that I experienced. It's really cool. And uh, yeah, man, it's just been happy. Like my job, I could just be me in my job and not need people to approve, not need this other stuff. Like I could just be the thing that God says I've always been without the weight of expectation or anything like that. Uh, it's been beautiful. Has the enemy stopped lying altogether? As he's like, oh, he figured it out. I'll stop lying or Oh, I mean, sometimes I'll, sometimes I'll catch myself like, you know, believe in old stuff. Um, but yeah, uh, that's the thing. Like speaking truth, remembering who I am, like secret place has been a crazy thing for me, um, that I have stepped into even more recently. Like, uh, cause I just got done with summer camp and, uh, with summer camp stuff working up here. And so we just talked a lot about it when I went to the this camp meeting and it was just a crazy secret place is a beautiful thing. Like it's been beautiful the whole time, but like the more that I step into my, my identity and like read who Jesus says I am and then like speak truth in my life, the more these lies like fall away easier. Mercy. So yeah, it's good, man. Talk to me and we'll maybe wrap up on, on this. You're one of the first people I knew that had COVID that it was like, Yo, this guy is in the hospital with COVID. Um, <laughs> yeah, three days. <laughs> like, what did the truth have to say about your circumstances when you were going through all of that? I never remember worrying about it, actually. Like, I remember feeling really crappy, <laughs> and I had a lot of bowel problems i had a lot of like i would get really hot in the night like my temperature would go up to like 103 in the night when i would be trying to sleep um, but i never i don't ever remember feeling like this is a problem for me uh i remember thinking man it doesn't feel good but that's about it i it wasn't until after i got out of the hospital and i talked to like my family and my friends like after i had like recovered a little bit more that they're like man we're really happy you're still alive and I was like, oh, were you worried? <laughs> <laughs> and I felt callous when I said it, but I, then I thought, oh, I guess I guess I was in the hospital for three days. That kind of makes sense that they would be worried. But I just don't remember ever, I don't ever remember it really mattering to me a whole lot, if that makes sense. That's crazy, man. Yeah, I just, I've, yeah, I felt terrible, but I had peace. Um, yeah, man, I had peace. And that's the thing that's been prevailing through all of it. Like, I think I remember when I was younger before, I would always try to make decisions on based off where I found peace. Huh. So, like, if I was trying to decide between jobs, I was like, well, God will give me peace about one, but not about the other. Hmm. Um and so I'd always try to seek signs and try to find the right way, find the right path forward and try to do this thing that God needed me to do. But like, I understand now that peace isn't something that I necessarily get about one thing or the other. Peace is something I have all the time now. Hmm. Like joy is the thing that I have all the time now. Like confidence is the thing I have all the time now. Like it's not, it's not about God holding it over one thing or the other or needing me to follow this path or the next path. Like 
the thing for Jesus is that I am with him and he is always with me. And that is never going to change. And that is, that's been the most beautiful thing. There's a song, um, there's a song, uh, uh, I want to know you more like I know a friend. Mm-hmm. I want to know, uh, the simple gospel. Do you know the song? I don't, but you sound good singing it. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> there's a, uh, so there's the end part, and it talks about, uh, Lord, I've been told to be ashamed. Lord, I've been told I don't measure up. Lord, I've been told I'm not good enough. And then it ends with this part. It says, but you're here with me. Uh, and to me, that's always been the thing. I thought guilt, shame, fear, all these things separated me from God. Um, but the thing is, like, the most if the mo- most important place is to be with Jesus, like, Jesus has always been here. Like I've always had the thing, like in the, at the end of the prodigal son story, when he's talking to the older son and he says, you've always been with me and everything that I have is yours. Like that has been the most beautiful truth in my life um, since I've stepped into freedom. Like since I've understood the gospel, like I've always been with Jesus and he's always been with me and everything that the father has is mine right now, <laughs> right now. And it's good. So let's hop into the DeLorean. What, what year did you graduate from Union? 2015. We go, we're going to put it to 2015. We're going to go sometime in early, late April, early May. And we're walking into okay. the Union Market, a.k.a. the meat market. And you see okay. Miguelito... And he's walking out of that meeting and he's looking like you're the only person who could tell that what he's, what he's feeling inside. Cause everybody else thinks he's just happy, but you know what's going yeah. on inside of that guy. And you get to say, Hey man, let's go grab some tots and some silk milks and let's sit down in the cafeteria for a second. What are you going to say to that dude? Yeah. Yeah. That's a tough one. <laughs> I don't know if I'd be ready to hear anything at this point, but, but yeah. Um, one of the things I would say is you don't need any of this. <laughs> you don't need it. Um, you don't need it. Um, and you're enough. Like you are the thing that Jesus wants you to be. Uh, I remember that was one of the things Jonathan said to me when I was interviewing for another job, when I was finishing my time in Hawaii, he turned to me and he said, like when I was walk, going to interview, he said, Mikey, hold on. And he said, Mikey, you don't need this job. Remember that. <laughs> and then I, uh, and then I flew to Colorado and like, that was my whole mindset for the whole thing. Like, I don't need this job for anything. Like I didn't need it. Um, sure, it's nice to have money and stuff like that. It's nice to have a job and a house to live and stuff like that. But like, what he meant was, I didn't need any of it to like tell me who I was. I didn't need any of it. Like that. So that's what I would want to tell myself that I wouldn't need it. Would I listen? Absolutely not. <laughs> but it'd be worth a shot. I wasn't ready for it yet. It'd be worth a shot. It'll be worth a shot. Yeah, saying, Mikey, you're always a son. You are good and righteous and holy and the righteousness of jesus for sure uh and i would really try hard and i would weep 
because I know old Mikey would not be listening. (laughs) (laughs) Until you said it nine times. Nine Nine times. Nine times. Like a cat. That's right. Hey, man. man. Thanks so much for coming on. Uh, I love your story. I love you, man. You, you're a testimony to me every time I see you. Um, before I was just like, man, that dude's got some charisma. He's just a nice guy. He's so smiley. He's positive. And now I see you and I'm just like, yo, that guy knows something. Like he has something. And it's a testimony to me and how you get to just love people. And uh, it's so cool to see that you don't, you're like, I don't need anything. I'm good. Yeah. I'm blessed. Yeah, I really am. I'm, I like to use the term, I'm, I'm really lucky. I'm really lucky, but it means blessed for sure. Jesus has done a lot for me. It's awesome. Thanks so much. Yeah. Stay alive, hey. Mm-hmm.